Welcome to a season finale edition of Bird Bros. I'm Ron Brown. On tonight with AV and Trent. Recap the season, recap this last game, preview next year. So how y'all fellas doing tonight? I'm good, I'm good. What's up, man? What's up with you uh, up there in Charlotte, man? I know uh, playoff fever is all up there, and then we got the Falcons down here taking that L. Oh, yeah. Definitely two different extremes going on right now, man. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. We we know this time of the year where our Falcons <laughs> aren't involved in anything and, and everything like that. But you know, as we know, Falcons took the loss on Sunday, finished the season at 8-8 eight and eight in the first year of the Dan Quinn era. Did you have a chance to take a look at any of the game or highlights or just recap that, Trent? Yeah, I did, well, I didn't watch the game, but I caught a couple of highlights. And it was just it's the the same thing that's been all season. I mean, offensive turnovers like um, Matt Ryan bad decisions leading to turnovers, and actually surprisingly this game um, Freeman who's who's been sure-handed and who's been our go-to guy a lot um, for the most part of the season, he actually coughed up the ball also. So that was um, strange to see. But for the most part, I just saw that it was just the same theme that has been throughout the season. I felt like. Um, Maybe this team, they were uh, just so eager to avenge the loss to the um, to the Panthers last week that they just couldn't muster up that same energy that they had against the Panthers. They couldn't muster it up against the Saints this on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, damn, like like you said, Devontae Freeman. That's one guy we can count on to be steady, be a rock in every aspect of his of the game, blocking, catching the ball, running the rock, and yeah, that fumble was real big. It hurt. And, you know, taking the 20-17 to 17 loss in a game where I listened back to some older episodes, I, I said, I want us to drop 49 on them this game. And <laughs> I want us to put up, you know, A.V. has told us about the Saints defense all year. Like, this is the worst defense of all time, and we can only muster 17 points. We had some, of course, another um, fumble uh, with, with center issues, center and quarterback issues, and the block field goal kick. We had some problems that were like, come on, we got to – beat this team out of any of the teams the Saints but AV man I was uh, checking you out well we're you know of course we always re recap the game or kind of live chat during the game on the collie.com and AV said he was he was fed up he um made some some comments about Matt Ryan was like he he hates Matt Ryan am I right with that <laughs> assessment AV or is that was that frustration talking yeah it was it was just tough to watch uh do I hate Matt Ryan <laughs> At that moment, I probably did. Um, it was tough to watch just based on the fact that we got the ball back, um, you know, off of it, off of not only the getting the inter, um, a fumble from the Saints in there, you know, as they were driving and almost about to score a touchdown. But, you know, we played some good defense to get the ball back off of a punt. And the first pass was literally right to a defender that was right on top of Devontae. You know, uh, great anticipation by the Saints, but just the same typical frustrating play that we've seen from Matt all season. Um, I think we've all kind of tried to diagnose what the problem is, whether it's Matt's regression, whether it's Kyle Shanahan's offense being too complicated, um, whether it's a combination of the offensive line and Matt not trusting his reads or his protection. But either way, it's been just a very disappointing season, and it, it's kind of, you know, made you feel kind of frustrated by what, you know, Matt has has not been able to get done like we're accustomed to seeing. Tough to see that pass 
majority of the game, he was he's pretty consistent. I mean, of course, Julio was getting off with the record, something that a lot of people wanted to see him reach. So Julio was getting the ball. The the tight ends were definitely contributing. Jacob Tammy had four catches. Tony Moyaki had the long touchdown catch. I think he had he only had one catch the whole season before that game, and he had two. And so spreading the ball around, and everybody was getting touches and everything. But of course, that last play, you know, we saw what happened through the picture of Jamarcus Sanford right over the middle. What do we know? I mean, that's what Matty does. And uh, another thing that I saw, I want you guys to comment on as well, was the the field goal. Um, of course, Matt Bryan got hurt, and Shane Graham has been our field goal here the past few games. But is that something you all see next season that has to be addressed, the special teams aspect when, when it comes to the kicker and maybe a return man? I know we'll discuss the roster later, but what do you all think about special teams? I think definitely a return man. I've been, um, I've actually been satisfied with Shane Graham, like what he's, uh, what he's given us this season. I, I want to say I can't remember what game it was, but he was like our offense couldn't get in the end zone, and but he was continuously knocking down field goals. Outside of that, I guess well, that was a blocked field goal against the Panthers last week, but he came down and um, knocked down, knocked down another one, like maybe in the fourth quarter after that blocked field goal. So I was, I was definitely, um, I'm definitely confident and um, satisfied with what Shane Graham has given us this season. And Devin Hester, we know, like, uh, we know it's, it's the end of his career. Eric Wings is not the guy to, um, while, while Eric Wings is a, is a very good special teams player, I don't think he's a, a kick returner or a punt returner. No, you definitely use Wings as a gunner in, the, in that aspect, not, not your. Not your return man at all. We've said that plenty of times. Yeah, I kind of echo some of the same thoughts. I think the, the biggest issue that you're coming up with is even with Shane Graham, um, who did fill in admirably, uh, you know, and under tough conditions. You know, Matt Bryant's been pretty pretty reliable, even though he had a few hiccups this year. He's been pretty reliable pretty much all season. Uh, if he's not able to recover fully from, uh, I think it was what, a hamstring or, or quad issue, if he's not able to fully come back, you know, I'm not sure if Shane Graham is truly the long-term option. So that's something you got to look at. In addition to what do you do with Devin Hester, um, you know, what do you do with the Eric Weems of the world? You know, Matt Bosch is probably going to be your most consistent guy that comes back leading the punting. But other than that, I think field goals uh, will definitely be, you know, potentially an issue to look at next year uh, when you look at special teams. But that definitely was, you know, with a team that's that's blown or lost so many games late – and lost so many games close, you know, that's definitely something we got to look at as far as kind of what what our best option will be, especially if Matt Bryant's not going to be here next year. Yeah, definitely one of the many personnel decisions we got to look at, personnel groups. And, you know, like I said, we'll have – we'll discuss who we think should move on and definitely what positions need to be upgraded in the offseason because there are a few groups that may – have higher priority, definitely have higher priority than special teams. So, you know, linebacker core and wide receiver and some other positions. But we'll definitely discuss that more as we go on. Any last thoughts about the Saints game? I mean, I'm pretty disappointed that we lost that game. So I really don't have much to say. Of course, Julio was the bright spot. Devontae, outside of the, the uh, fumble, was pretty good. But defense also looked pretty good. But, I mean, that's really want to put a bow on that season, man. I mean, I, to me, just um, 
I mean, we've gone around and around talking about, you know, the offense and Kyle Shanahan and things of that nature. This game, to me, kind of, you know, I don't know if Dan Quinn is going to get rid of Kyle Shanahan just because I think Dan Quinn may feel, you know, wedded to um, to Kyle Shanahan. But I look at it like this. We've talked about it all season. This is one of the worst defenses in NFL history. They already are the worst defense in touchdown passes allowed. Um, and that was coming into the game against us. And we can only score 17 points against these guys. I don't know. It just it does not seem like um, since the first five games there has been any type of consistency with game planning to exploiting the defense's weaknesses. I mean, we can blame it on Matt Ryan. We can blame it on offensive line. We can blame it on whatever you like. But the coaching staff has not been able to get this team to really learn how to exploit the weaknesses of our opponents and only score 17 against the Saints and never really have a lot of success against the Saints this season. You know, it's the biggest rival we have. To not be able to put up more points against them is, is disappointing at best. And I think it's a game that probably might it might lose some folks their jobs, especially in the front office. When you're talking about Dimitrov getting a lot of heat, you talk about obviously Kyle Shanahan, Pioli. You know, it was a tough game to watch because of the fact that with all this talent that the Falcons have on offense, you couldn't exploit one of the worst defenses in league history. So I don't know. It was uh, it was pretty disappointing to watch them kind of flail about and not really make anything happen. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been back and forth on this whole <laughs> Kyle Shanahan versus Matt Ryan ordeal last season. But I'll, and I was actually listening to um, Matt Ryan's weekly interview with um, the local sports radio station down there today. And he was actually um, he was very candid. He was speaking on how um, after week six against the Tennessee Titans, he was basically telling um, Kyle Shanahan that he wasn't comfortable in with the with the new system and with the playbook, so after week six, Shanahan chose to scale back his playbook. Well, since then, our offense has definitely been terrible. I mean, before before that, we were the first like we um we led the league in points per game. We had the top running back. We had the top wide receiver. But after like since week six, we that's when the um that six game losing streak started. So it was just I guess surprising to hear that week six is when um, Matt Ryan was telling um, Shanahan that he needed to um, that he wasn't comfortable with the with the playbook. So that week six is when Shanahan scaled back his playbook. Now it's kind of funny you all mentioned the things you all mentioned respectively because I got a little segment as we segue into our recap of the season in itself. I got a little segment where I pull some clips from earlier shows during during the season. And I got clips from Trent and A.V. And I'm going, we're going to take a quick listen to those, and then we'll let you all comment. I'm going to cue those up right now. He's getting the ball in his hands. Is this a put-up or shut-up year, do you all think? What do, you, what do you think, Trent? I don't think so. This is funny because um, last week A.V. was saying that he wasn't – like Matt Ryan needs to get better, basically. He was he had a bunch of, uh, some questionable throws. And he also had some questionable throws on Sunday, the one that Julio just – made a great catch on the end or just snatched it away from the um, defender. But that was a terrible throw. But, and it's funny, I was listening to um, sports radio stations earlier this morning and they were talking about, it was Panthers fans coming in talking about how Cam Newton needs to become better and all of that. And honestly, it's so hard. Like if you have a top 10 or top 12 quarterback in the NFL on your team, you shouldn't have any complaints about like 
we're lucky to have somebody like Matt Ryan. You're lucky. My parents' fans are lucky to have somebody like Cam Newton. So no, I know, but I don't like. I don't feel like um, this is a put up or shut up year with the. All right, so so Trent, you just heard that. That clip was from you, <laughs> unedited. <laughs> what do you? No doctoring. Do you still think after the season? I mean, of course, we're looking back in retrospect. Do you still think? This is a put up or shut up year, and even you said Matt Ryan was a top ten or twelve. Is Matt Ryan a top ten or twelve quarterback after this season? He's an average quarterback, so he's still he might not be a top ten. Like he not he might not be in those top uh, teams, but I still give him fourteen, fifteen. Like he's still an average quarterback. At the so, worst, at the worst, Matt Ryan's an average quarterback. Right. So you saying it's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen area? I mean, yeah, we can rank those on any other day, but. So, but after the season that he's had, you know, we've talked about his issues all year. This, was this a put up, put up or shut up year? No, I don't think this was a put up or shut up year just because, like I said in that clip, like this is a new system that Matt Ryan is um, he's trying to learn on the fly. He, this will be his, honestly, his first off season where he's able to learn the, um, learn Kyle Shanahan's offense and, and fit his talents into the um, into that type of offense. So no, I don't pull. I don't feel like it's a put up or shut up year. Yes, he had a bad like he had a bad year, which is why I've um, championed basically drafting a drafting a quarterback or finding um, just a backup some some type of backup to create some type of challenge or not even challenge, but just create some type of competition so Matt, Matt, Matt Ryan can look behind his back. So I feel like yeah, we do need a backup quarterback, but no, I, I he still has a chance to like this is one bad year. He's had a long he has what the seventh eighth year in the career eighth year in the league. He's had a lot more good years than this bad year. Okay, got you. And just for reference sake, that was after the Giants game. That was the second week Two. of the season. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of reference sake. So we heard Trent. Kind of gave Trent an opportunity to stand on that statement or back off, and he stood that it, it still it was not a put-up-or-shut-up year. So, A.V., we're going to go to you and uh, play a clip from you earlier in the season. This was after the uh, loss to the Bucks a few weeks ago. We are talking about heads rolling, and you talked about that a few minutes ago. So let's uh, go ahead and play that clip. Whose head do you believe will roll after, after the year? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be all of the above approach. I mean, I don't think Kyle Shanahan returns. I mean, if you think about the way that he's the places he's been at recently, when he whether it was in Cleveland as offensive coordinator or even with the Redskins, he didn't leave those teams on the best of terms. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, rumors about his personality, how he's able to mesh, you know, with the quarterbacks, how he meshes with teams. But I, I think almost certainly he will be out. I don't see how. Uh, how you could justify having an offensive coordinator whose offense has continued not only to regress, but you've seen a franchise quarterback take a step back as well. So I don't see any way where he's able to reasonably come back. Um, I do think you will see a front office shakeup. I don't think see how Dimitrov is able to, to survive this. Uh, Pioli, I'm not sure how he's able to survive this either. So you could be looking for a new general manager, a new offensive coordinator um, relatively quick. All right, A.V., so. I'm sure you heard yourself. That was a few weeks ago after the loss to the Bucks, and you kind of said, "Here's a roll: Shanahan, Dimitrov, Pioli." So even after those two games, uh, that two-game winning streak over the Jaguars and the Panthers, where I felt like, "Hey, this is how a Shanahan offense looks when it's done the right way, executed properly, play calling is on point." 
Are you still standing on that assessment that everybody needs to go? Uh, I mean, it's tough because I think when when the Falcons lost the game to the Bucks, that game effectively ended our playoff chances. True, the Falcons were still uh, mathematically alive, but at that point, the Falcons were six and seven, um, had pretty much lost every tiebreaker that you needed to have lost to kind of put you in that position. And prospects of winning three of the last two of the last three or all three just look really bad. Um, do heads will heads roll? I don't know. I mean, I think what's happened is the fact that the Falcons are going to have to do a lot of self-reflection on exactly where they want this team to be. Um, we talked about a little bit off the air earlier this week about you know the fact that Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's dad, is interviewing for some different positions around the league now. You know, the talk talk about the Dolphins. There's been talk about maybe the 49ers. So you have the you know the possibility that he might Mike Shanahan might get a new coaching job, and Kyle Shanahan could follow his dad just like he did uh, when he was up in Washington a few years ago. So you know you do have that as an outside possibility. I think it's maybe more of a rumor now, but you know I don't I don't know why Kyle Shanahan wouldn't wouldn't at least entertain that. So you definitely got to keep your eye on that. I think that's a 50-50 type proposition, whether Kyle comes back or not. Uh, as far as the front office, I don't see how uh, Dimitrov comes back. Um, if you look at this team, look at some of the rosters, I think there's a stat, the 2012 draft class from the Falcons, none of those guys are in the league. Uh, you know, if you look at who he's drafted, uh, there's only five guys on this team combined from the first um, first few drafts that Dimitrov has had. Uh, that's not a good a good balance. And you look at all the holes this team has, especially up front. How many wasted draft picks have we you know have we squandered and not got the right guys up there? So um, I think Dimitrov's definitely in a lot of trouble. I think Pioli is probably in the same boat. And then if those two guys go, then you you're looking at getting another general manager or somebody who's going to be over the head of general manager, um, player development, player personnel, something in that role. So I definitely see an opportunity for heads to roll. But again, if Dan Quinn wants to keep both of these guys or all three of them, guess what? Everybody's coming back. Dan Quinn is the most powerful man in that building next to Arthur Blank. So if he feels like Kyle Shanahan's the right guy for his offense, if he feels like, you know, Dimitrov's a great partner to work with, they're coming back. So I think it all depends on what Dan Quinn wants to do. Uh, I could see everybody returning, but I could also see everybody getting fired. Well, for continuity's sake, I just like Shanahan coming back, really. When it comes to Dimitrov and Pioli, Dimitrov more so, you know, he's he's got to go. Because you think about, as you talked about the draft miscues, you talk about the free agent miscues when it comes to Ray Edwards and Steven Jackson and, you guys, you know, give me some names. He's made, <laughs> yeah, OC. I mean, guys who are been, you know, maybe over the hill or overrated in Ray Edwards' case. He has, Steven he's Jackson. out of the league. Yeah, Steven Jackson definitely over the hill. So when it comes to that, and you got to build your team through the draft and even undrafted free agents when you look at teams around the league. When you look at a team like the Packers, who majority of their team is built through free agent, uh, through undrafted free agent signings or, or the draft, it's like it can be done. And so I guess. I hope we get a guy who can align with Dan Quinn's philosophy when it comes to player personnel and that type of thing. That's very important if we want to build this team into a success. So, yeah, that 
I think Dimitrov is a guy. I mean, I'm not on the fire Shanahan bandwagon. So, and that's how I feel about that. But what about you, Trent? You, what's your take? Of course, I'm not on the um, fire Shanahan bandwagon either. Of yes, um, Matt Ryan has taken strides back in his offense, but of course that comes with learning a new offense. But and also our running game has has definitely um, been revived, and our offensive line has been revived in this offense. So it's that's why I'm not willing to to start this whole rebuilding process over again. I mean, we're we just started the rebuilding process, and if we lose an offensive coordinator then this year will just go in vain, basically. Yeah, and you lose the progression you had, like you said, with the running game. First 1,000-yard rusher since, uh, what, 2011 with Michael Turner. So, you know, this is a good year. With yeah, Freeman also, I mean, we've, we also spoke um, through GroupMe earlier this weekend. There's not a lot of candidates out there anyway. If, for example, if we were to lose Shanahan, if he was to follow his dad, we would be in a, a lose-lose situation. I mean, we there's guys like Pep Hamilton out there. Maybe maybe uh, Jim Caldwell jumps out there. I don't know. You may have a Hugh Jackson who's interviewing for head coaching jobs right now, but he could fall down to an OC position also. But I just don't think there's a lot of guys out there that would that would make a drastic ch- um, change. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. So. Uh... Going back, you know, as I let you all hear your audio clips from early in the season, I'm going to go back to uh, episode 11 where we made some over-under predictions to kind of look at the second half of the season. So we set the lines and everything. So the over-under, there were three of them. Devontae Freeman over-under 500 rushing yards in the final half of the season, we called it, which was um, the Colts game on, which was seven games, I believe. And then, uh, so Devontae Freeman, 500 rushing yards over-under. Roddy White, 30 catches, and the defense, 10 sacks. So, <laughs> <laughs> looking back at it, all right, so Roddy White, we said uh, he would finish at. I think it was like 17 or 18 or. or yeah, like yeah. So over. He, well, Roddy White finished the season with 43 catches. Yeah. So, 20, he finished with 26 in the, in the second half. He had 17 in the first half. I ended up being the closest. I said he would get 25 catches, so he ended with 26. AV said 35, Trent, you said 19. So, of course, I was the closest there. Freeman, he finished with 1,061 rushing yards, had 721 in the first half, 340 in the second half. Of course, the injury set him back. We were all saying he would go, you know, basically over 1,400 yards rushing. But AV was actually the closest. He predicted 600 yards, which is still, you know, almost 300 yards off, but closest regardless. Then sacks, you know, I was optimistic that that we were – make a pass rush. The pass rush would come alive in the second half. And we had 10 in the first half of the season, had nine in the second half. AV predicted five sacks. Trent, you predicted six, and I predict 15. Trent, you were the closest with six. So kind of looking back on those predictions we made, and the team really, you know, kind of fell off in the second half of the season, as we saw with the losing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think those stats alone show why we fell off. I mean, if like AV mentioned this earlier, during that first half of the um, season when we were like, five and zero, we were running the ball and we were becoming a um, a very balanced uh, offense. The second half of the um, of the season, our offense was trying to find its identity, and we had Matt Ryan throwing going. It was games where he was throwing forty passes to games he was throwing twenty. It's like we didn't really have a. I mean, we lost our 
our identity. We just became, we didn't become balanced anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember based, you know, on those predictions you were saying that really uh, reminded me of what you said earlier, which is like, Hey, if we force it to Roddy, you know, that's why I guess your prediction was, was only 19 catches for Roddy because you were like, Hey, we're going to probably force it into him. If he gets more than that over under, which was 30. I mean, I still went under at 26, but still, you can kind of see him most of the games. They were targeting him a lot more, and he was producing. He did have a big yeah. drop um, in the last game. It was that a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, of course, he's going to produce if he gets the opportunities. But it's more like, what is our offense? You know what I'm saying? What's our offense's identity? If I, you know what I'm saying? If we're running the ball, and then we, if we're um, play action off that run, then that's like let that be our identity. We can't go into a situation where. Oh, because Roddy is um, is mad. We got to try to keep him, get him happy now. Like that's where I think we lost a lot of our um, of our, of our identity. We're trying to please people and not really run our offense or find our offense's identity. All right, so Trent, let's kind of wrap a bow on the re- on the season a little bit. Of course, Julio Jones finished with a career season, an NFL record-setting season uh, with 138 catches. They had the league in, in receiving yards. He was just all around, you know, just a, a great guy. Unfortunately, you know, we couldn't make the playoffs and everything. But what do yeah. you think about the season? How do you kind of review the season and say, you know, what can we take out of it? What needs to go? Kind of break that down for me. I think the few bright spots in our season were, um, of were Devontae Freeman and Julio Jones. And you were just um, mentioning Julio Jones stats. And it's, it kind of sucks because he was only seven receptions short of the uh, single season receptions record, and he was 93 yards short of the single season uh, reception yards record. So I, honestly, I wanted him to. I know he had to have a crazy game on Sunday on against the Saints to um, to be able to actually steal that record. But I just I felt like he was no like this with just with seeing what he's done this season, it still wasn't impossible and it wasn't out of his range. Of course, he he just came up a few yards and receptions short of the, um, the single season record, but him and uh, Devontae Freeman were definitely the the bright spots of this season. We now we can go ahead into next season into this off season knowing that we have a running game, so we can become a more balanced offense. The ugly is the of course the six straight losses. And being one in five in your in your division, I mean we're one in five and we are swept by the Saints and the Bucks. If you were to tell me we would be one in five, then I would at least tell you that two of those losses, those losses came from the Panthers, not the Saints and the Bucks. But I think I went into this season saying that we would be a um, nine and seventeen maybe, and I felt like that would be enough to win the division. Of course, I was one off, but just the way that this season unfolded with starting out five and zero, and um, finishing with three and eight, it was it was it was an ugly season. Yeah, and I I want to correct myself. I said one hundred thirty eight catches, one thirty six, which is of course seven short of number eighty eight for the Colts. You can't really say his name. Yeah, <laughs> you know the things that he's you know you, he's you all know what I'm talking about. The man who remains nameless, right? Yeah, the nameless guy. I mean, if you that's just not a meme, that's real life. So we not yeah. we're not gonna say his name, but yeah, Julio finished with one thirty six. Definitely the bright spot, Julio, Devontae Freeman. 
I really like what I saw from Vic Beasley the last few games. He's a bright spot. I really hope that 2016 is a Pro Bowl year for Desmond Trufant. We got some things to build on. We got some guys to build on. We'll need a good draft. You know, we'll have some draft experts on during the offseason to kind of give us some clues on who the Falcons make cue in on and who are some top prospects out there as well since we hey, aren't the most quick, versed. Quick question for you guys. Do you feel that – I may be the, the lone one on this one, but do you feel that um, Desmond Trufant was – like, how do you feel his 2016 campaign was? I felt it was a little, like, I wanted more. There was times when he when he actually looked like one of the elite corners, and then there was also times when it's like, I mean, goodness, we maybe need to um, realign our defense. Or, so I don't know how it's fitting into Dan Quinn's defense yet. I think he had a pretty strong season, all things considering. I mean, you got to look at who he has lining up against him. Robert Alford on the other side has been – you know, he, he struggled again. This he, he, he had his improvements. You know, obviously his highlight was that return, the interception return in overtime to beat the Redskins at home. But he had his issues, again, with penalties. Um, I think his low point of the season was, you know, that touchdown where he gave up to Ted Ginn, um, Panthers, in that 38 nothing blowout. So, you know, he doesn't really have the best uh, help opposite him. The safeties have been an issue all season. Willie Moe being hurt again. You look at who we got back there now between Godfrey and Kamal Ishmael and some of the other guys. You know, he hadn't really had a lot of help in the, the back end, and then there's not a lot of other playmakers on that defense, if any, um, really besides him. So I think all things considering, uh, he had a couple of, you know, a couple of uncharacteristic hiccups, but I think he was probably the bright spot for a defense that did show improvement uh, throughout the year. Yeah, like, like A.V. said, I, I can't say that he had a bad year. Could have improved. I mean, he, he went up. Those bad games were against some good receivers, I'll say that. But you talk about the D-line and pass rush, too, because part of being a, a corner and defensive backs and covering, you got to have a good pass rush to make, you know, give you a chance to make plays as well. So, you know, he's improved. And like I say, next year has to be his Pro Bowl year where he breaks out and everybody's like, okay, this guy was good. This is one of Dimitrov's good picks, you know, so – yeah, because I I, may, I feel like that anointance may have been a little premature. Like, yeah, I don't doubt. Yeah, he's very he's one of the top corners in the league. He's very good. He's our only playmaker on our defense. But I think everyone was expecting this year to be his Pro Bowl next his Pro Bowl year. When I think realistically it may be next year where you can expect a lot more from him. Yeah, we need it. We definitely need a, a all-around defensive performance. I mean, defense was middle of the pack this year, so definitely better than we predicted. Offensive line struggled like we predicted. That has to be addressed, the interior offensive line. You know, Matthews definitely improved this year, so he's looking like a stable, a staple at left tackle. So we got that, but interior O-line, center, and the guard positions, we got to find some guys in the draft or offseason who fit the scheme and who can help us out. That's a position that has to be improved. We we made some signings last year, like a guy like John Osamoa, who didn't even play this year, and he was supposed to be a, a addition. But, of course, that was under a different regime. So, you know, changes have to be made there. At wide receiver, what else do you all see? Linebacker? Yeah, I think um, what Dan Quinn alluded to this earlier today, he was saying that he wants to um, – Strengthen both sides, of, yeah, both 
sides of li of the line. So he wants to strengthen strengthen that defensive line and strengthen that offensive line. I could see us, um, or maybe I'm hoping, but I could see us picking up a guy like Robert M. Condici, who's probably falling down a draft board after that uh, <laughs> incident in Atlanta. But I could see us going like hopefully he's he's a, he's a guy that would be there in that middle to um middle of the first round when we actually have our pick seventeenth uh, pick. But outside of our um like you were alluding to our defensive line and our offensive line, I would think our um AB had just said this, but our secondary is very weak outside of um True Fine. You don't have any like any guys that can any guys that can actually cover. So I think we actually need to um to shore up that uh, secondary also. I, I think from my perspective, are we just talking strictly about improvements we're looking for for next year? Because if so, my thought process would be um, if you're looking at where we need, really need to target with free agency being first, uh, I'd like to actually see the Falcons maybe go out and get some, some proven offensive linemen in, uh, in free agency. So I'd like to see them maybe start there. Um, I think the Falcons – at least under Dimitrov, have whiffed pretty consistently with uh, first-round picks and offensive linemen. So uh, with the exception of me and Jake Matthews, who, like you guys said, has started to come around, really showed a lot of improvement this year. He was a lot healthier, uh, moved around a lot better. He didn't hear his name called as often with penalties and, and mistakes. So he definitely showed a lot of improvement. But I think the Falcons should probably go there with regards to their cap space. And I think they're going to have somewhere around $40 million. Um, to address the issues they have on the offensive line. I think that's one thing. I think with uh, the draft, you got to get a, another edge rusher. Um, to me, Vic Beasley was a, a little bit of a – I don't really know what we have in Vic Beasley. Obviously, his, his highlight was that strip sack of, uh, of Cam Newton here a few weeks ago to get that, you know, help preserve that win. But other than that, he's kind of – it was an up-and-down season for him. Um, so – bit far off from where he thought he'd be with getting the double-digit sacks and things like that. Um, so I think you got to get another edge rusher opposite him who's going to actually be able to put some pressure on the quarterback. So that's one. I think in the linebacker crew, I think that's one probably one of our weaker points uh, that we have. Too often um, our linebackers got confused on, you know, especially in the passing game, you know, where the guy that the, you know, the opposing offense was targeting. Key example being a New Orleans game in New Orleans. You know, our, our defense could not keep up with uh, Benjamin Watson or wherever they had a read going on different crossing routes, different patterns. So, you know, Brooks Reed was hurt a lot this year. Justin Durant also hurt and injured, did not tackle well down the stretch, coming back from that elbow injury. Paul Warlow was solid, uh, but I don't think you kind of see what you get. That's I, I think we've, we've seen the best you're going to get, which, again, is a solid NFL linebacker, but it's nothing great. Um, and I think the other other part of this team that needs to be addressed is probably uh, safety. You know, William Moore probably isn't coming back. And then you look at Godfrey and Kamal Ishmael, neither one of those guys should probably be starters on an on a NFL team. They're, they're good backups, good special team guys. Um, but too often, big plays happen, and those guys either were not in the right position or were slow to react. So, um, again, it's going to be a lot of picks on the defense. But the offense still needs a lot of work, too. Maybe you think about getting a quarterback um, in the later rounds. There's going to be some good depth there with this quarterback class. So maybe you get you a guy who you can start to groom in the event that what we saw from Matt Ryan is the beginning of the end as opposed to just a blip. 
Yeah, I mean, as you described, man, <laughs> every position, you went on every <laughs> level on the defense, and then offensively you can say the same thing with offensive line. Definitely wide receiver. Julio is basically our best option. We need somebody opposite him and even a third guy. We don't know if Justin Hardy will be that next year. So you definitely want to have some proven guys on uh, both sides. Roddy's probably definitely gone. And the $40 million will come into play depending on who's cut. So I can definitely see probably between five to seven veterans to be cut on this team to get us uh, around that cap number. And I think you know it's an attractive destination with what the team has weapons-wise. And another position I probably want to see is tight end, I think. Maybe we can get a guy at tight end to give us another weapon, and that can kind of ease any issues we may have at wide receiver. So Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing just how um, aggressive Dan Quinn will be. This is his first full offseason. You remember he, um, of course, the Seahawks were in the playoffs, so I think he wasn't as really focused on the Falcons as he could have been. I mean, midway, they were still playing late in um, – yeah, late in January. So I expect to see. I just want to see how, just how aggressive he is, and he's also over personnel. So I want to see what type of, um, what type of guys he wants to plug in on his defense. I still, one thing I'm worried about. I we we haven't found our identity on the offensive side or the defensive side. So I'm hoping that he pulls in some guys that can show us, or we that we can finally understand what we, what we what he wants out of his defense. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's definitely personnel that has that's going to happen. Can't get everybody in year 1, so I think that'll be definitely a part of what will be done and as we form that identity, as the fans get an idea of what we do, the league gets an idea of what we do. We'll see that in year 2, no doubt. If we don't, it's definitely disappointing. I would say a failure at that point. Not overall, but up to that point, if you don't have an identity on either side of the ball, then definitely a failure. So that's the Falcon season for this year. You fellas got anything else you want to talk about, things you want to say before we wrap up our season finale uh, edition of Bird Bros? It's been a lot of fun uh, talking with you guys all year, yep. uh, really going back and forth about the Falcons, about the NFL. So uh, kudos to you guys every week uh, bringing it and being able to talk a little bit of sports every week. Yes, sir. Definitely. Salute. Week to week. <laughs> We've done it every week. I mean, we a uh, combination of all of us talking Falcons and updating the website and being on Twitter and Facebook and everything. We appreciate everybody listening, taking the time out of your day. Or you might be at work or driving and listen to us, so we appreciate you. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Thanks again for listening. Happy New Year. And check back with us in a few uh, weeks. Check back with us in the following weeks. Peace.